five, scores! Rick Five. We've decided to get ourselves back in the game again with our podcast. Rick Five. Probably the craziest story that you're ever going to hear about hockey. We're going to be coming back to you on a regular basis. You are listening to Squid and the Ultimate Leafs fan. Hello, Canada and hockey fans of the United States and Newfoundland. And an extra big hello to Canadian servicemen overseas. Welcome, everyone. Episode 69 of the Squid and Ultimate Leaf Fan Show. I'm Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan. Joining me as always, my winger, Ricky Squid Vibe. Squid, how are we keeping? Doing well, Michael. We're doing very well. We're uh, watching the baseball game last night. I got tired. It was 4 4. I woke up today and it was, <laughs> and the Braves won. I, I, was, I was surprised, actually. But anyway, I'm doing good. All good. Well, you know, our guest today, another Maple Leaf, was taken 13 overall by the Maple Leafs in the 1974 amateur draft. Enjoyed a seven-year playing career in Toronto, along with a stop in Colorado. Uh, please welcome to this good and ultimate Leaf fan show, Jack Bellicat. First off, thank for joining us, Jack, and how are you making out these days? Yeah, things are good. Things are good, Mike. It's good. Good to chat again. Yeah, yeah. So what yeah. have you been, how you been keeping busy the last 18 months through all this craziness in the world? Yeah, well, as as like everybody else, um, missing family uh, and and things like that, and uh, trips and and whatnot. So uh, yeah, it's it's hard on everybody, and um, we're getting through it though. We're we're going in the right direction, I believe. Uh, I was going to say, but well, now you're going to be joining Squid uh, playing on the Legends Tour this season at all? Like for some when hockey's starting to get back, he was telling me a little bit of his schedule there just before we came on the air. Yeah, no, my um, uh, my playing days are over, I believe. Uh, it was a fun <laughs> run and traveled all over Canada playing in Leafs events, alumni events, and NHL alumni events, and uh, it was fabulous. But uh, it's it's catching up to me. So uh, uh, we, Rick and I were down in London there a couple of weeks ago. And they've got me in coaching duty now. So that tells you right there. <laughs> yeah, Jack Jack was coaching. He's uh, I, I didn't realize he had retired again. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's go back to yeah. how we got to here yeah, today. It was good. It's always so, good when we do the alumni events and see everything. Well, let's let's go back to how it all began. Then let's go back to the earlier part of your career, Jack. And we'll start. You're from Elmer, Ontario, located in the Lake Erie region. Did you, you obviously started playing in the early age? But there must have been some pond hockey in those early days. Yeah, and so I am. I have uh, older brothers, a couple older brothers. I used to take me out, and uh, we'd uh, skate on the ponds and all that. But then uh, start playing organized hockey when I was about six years old. And that and uh, moved into town. That was a big thing. When we moved into town, I was able to walk to the arena and uh, play, play my minor hockey in Elmer. And, and uh, in, when I was playing Pee Wee, Bantam and Midget and that, I was on the ice pretty much every day. And that, that's a big factor uh, for young players to all the ice time you can get. So that really helped. Well, uh, Elmer, I, I played, I played senior hockey in Elmer. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. When, I, when I was playing for the, the Dundas Real McCoys, uh, we played against Elmer. Yeah, yeah. How'd you do? Uh, I can't remember. But that means they lost. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jack, you got your 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 resume. I mean, you're 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 a young Maple Leaf and you got drafted. But in 71-72, Soji played three games with Laurentian University. You must have been like 16 or 17. How did that come about? That is a misprint. And it's funny okay. because there, apparently there is another Jack or John Valaket that was actually playing in Sudbury Laurentian at that time. But that's not on my resume in the university, going to university, and that was not also on my resume. <laughs> I, I said, I can't, okay, you would have been the smartest Maple Leaf that ever played in your organization, that's for sure, playing university hockey at 16. 
That's right. So, so let's talk about what we really know. And this is, I, I was yeah, really mystified yeah, by that. Yeah, I, I, even stumped, hey, Paul Pascoe was even stumped by that. Okay. So that shows you how much of a mystery it was. Uh, the next couple of years must have been almost surreal for you. You're playing for St. Mary's, the junior B team. You light it up for those guys. You go to Sault Ste. Marie, big year there. And then within a few months, you're wearing a Maple Leaf jersey. Drafted by the Leafs, like that. Was your head spinning through those couple years? Absolutely, absolutely. And and it's uh, like exactly what you just said. Going from Junior B to Junior A uh, for the suit, and that was an incredible, incredible year. Here I am, seventeen, turning eighteen. My just come. They decided to draft eighteen-year-olds that year, the NHL, because the WHA was rating uh, the junior ranks. Taking the house and, and such. So the NHL finally said, okay, we're going to take 18-year-olds. The year before I was drafted, Lanny McDonald, Dennis, Pot Van, Bob Ganey, all those guys played till they were 19, 20. And then the following year, they started taking 18-year-olds. So it was a whirlwind. And um, uh, to, to be honest, and at that time, they did not um, send juniors back to play junior. And I think that would have really helped my uh, my maturity. I I went down. I I I called up for a couple of weeks. Played a game for the Leafs my first year, but for the most part, I was down in Oklahoma City in the Central Hockey League. Now at 18 years old, having a car and a pocket full of cash, living down by myself in Oklahoma. Um, sometimes we went for lunch a little too long. <laughs> Squid knows all about that. So. Yeah, so, so Jack, obviously you're of the mindset, which I have always said that, you know, if they're they're not ready mature-wise and and physically, go back to junior. And and I saw that with Jim Benning and Gary Nyland and a lot of guys when I played. And I always thought – and then people would say to me, well, you know, he's going to be the best player in junior hockey. I said, well, what's wrong with that? You come out, you're the best player in, in junior hockey, and then you come into the NHL. You're going to have a lot more confidence. And, and I, I think you're right. I think uh, absolutely. I think that that's something that, you know, should be done more often or at least should have been back then. Yes, yes. Um, and they, it would have helped for my maturity. It would have helped. So when we were playing in the Sioux, we had three guys in the top ten scoring. <laughs> And never made the playoffs. <laughs> so <laughs> go back and play junior. And then they could have said, okay, okay, Jack, this is your squad now. Let's see how far you can take us. Because every year I just kept moving up from junior B to junior A to the Central Hockey League to, to the NHL. <laughs> all within four years. Like, it's it's incredible, uh, that, that journey. But that would have definitely helped to go back. And, and yes, he, yes, you could say he's already done it. He's won the scoring. But all right, let's see what you can do now. Let's take on a leadership role, which I never did. Mm-hmm. Well, now let's talk about your draft year. The year that you did get drafted as an underage, you were putting up some big numbers. You said three guys in the top 10 putting up big numbers. Um, was there any talk or discussion that you were going to get taken or somebody would take a chance on you? And when when you did finally find out the Leafs had selected you, who called and what was the conversation like? Well, there was no... Um, Actually, Alan Eagleson, there's a story to this. I'm glad we got lots of time because uh, when I was playing junior, all of a sudden there was all these agents were coming in and they wanted to talk to Charlie Simmer and myself. And they said, we're going to take 18-year-olds and such. So anyways, I told Angelo Bambaco, who was the GM at the time, I said, I don't want to see these guys anymore. I'm not sure what I'm going to do or what's going on. I have no idea. So I talked to my parents and uh, we had a, a lawyer friend who um, I said, I'll pay you for your time. Find out who's the most powerful, strongest, and honest guy out there. And a week later or so, he called me back and said, Alan Eagleson. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. So, Alan, and Alan Eagleson, of course, as we know, represented, I mean, he was representing Bobby Orton and, and all the best players that, at that time, or so he thought. And, I mean, Bobby Orr obviously the greatest or one of the greatest. But so then he come up. So he flew up to see me. We had lunch. And this is just an example of how, how things go. He says, what league do you want to play in? 
And I said, well, the NHL. And he said, that's right. That's the only league there is. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not saying I'm thinking to myself, well, I know the WHA is there because I know guys have gone to play in it. So I don't say anything. It comes up to the draft and he tells the WHA, don't even draft my clients. They'll never play for you. Now, what kind of bargaining chip is that? Jeez. <laughs> so it, it was really, it was really surreal. I mean, I did want to play in the NHL, but what harm could have it done to go and play a year or two in the WHA if so and, and put some extra cash in my pocket. But that wasn't an option that, that Alan Eagleson wanted. Wow. Yeah, well, Alan Eagleson wanted it, everything his way. And, and <laughs> I had him too, Jack. And it's funny because I was at a uh, – my parents were at a dinner at the university where my uncle went. And uh, what's his name? Who's the writer from Montreal? Uh, Red Story. Fisher, or, Red Story. Or Red Story was there. And they asked him, who would you recommend? And he recommended Al Eagleson. So we contacted, we got through to him somehow, and he became my agent. He didn't even know who the hell I was when I got drafted. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it was kind of like one of those things where, you know, what yeah. all I, I, the only guy I ever talked to was Bill Waters. And anyway, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, everybody knows. Uh, you know Al, what Alan Nielsen. Uh, you know I, he he screwed every hockey player that ever played because he was in cahoots with the owners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jack, after the draft, you get taken by the Leafs. Uh, talk about attending your first camp and then ending up in Oklahoma City. You led the team in scoring. Just talk about that year. Yeah, so it it was a good year. Um, now I'm 18 years old. And I'm playing against men before I was junior. So, but the hockey-wise, again, the hockey-wise was okay. Um, we played uh, many games, a good schedule. We had a pretty good team, made the playoffs. Um, Tiger Williams and Pat Boutet, we were down there. Tiger got called up around Christmas time that year. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of hockey, a lot of good hockey, made the playoffs. Um, Again, there was the the issue of, of not having any guidance other than players that some of them were working hard to get in to the NHL and some of them had already been or were not destined to go to the NHL. So it was a mixed bag. Um, Oklahoma City, I mean, we had a nice facility in that, but again, the leadership role or or that part the mentoring part um, wasn't really there. Well, you mentioned the uh, Tiger Williams. So what was an early age Tiger Williams like back in those days when you met him? He ended up, and you would end up with Pat Boutet and him being part of the Brat line a few years later. But your first impressions of this character from out west? He was a Tasmanian Dell right from the get-go. <laughs> I mean, he just was a whirlwind and... and and on the ice, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story on the ice. So there he is, yeah, on the ice. So the first time we're going to play, um, Denver was uh, in the Central League back then, and it was St. Louis's farm team. And they had gas off and went sick, and a uh, bunch of guys that, you know, were, <laughs> were fighters. Anyways, Tiger's all charged up. He's going to play against – we're all playing against these guys. And uh, <laughs> we go for lunch. And he, we're going to have soup. He says, um, what's in the soup? Uh, clam chowder. Chowder. Well, is there clams in it? Well, clams, no no shrimp or anything because he's allergic to crustaceans or such. I, why he even had it to start with, I don't know. Well, I'll have some. <laughs> well, he wasn't halfway done with soup. And he swelled up and he couldn't hardly breathe. And he had to go to the hospital like this. And he couldn't play that night. He, he was so disappointed. But his whole everything popped up like this. So and and they had a they had a tough squad, but that was just one example. He was charged up, and uh, but Tiger was a great teammate. Tiger was a very good team, and especially in that era, um, he he was a good he was a good family man, uh, still is, and a good friend. Uh, yeah, playing with Tiger, and then of course when you're in the NHL and you're going into places like Boston and Philadelphia and such, uh, at that time you you really knew uh, who your teammates were and who had your back. 
Well, I mean, did, uh, back then, hold on. Did, yeah, yeah, you had a, a you had a tough guy from PEI on your club as well, did you not? We did. I, mean, I can't remember him. his name. Yes, that's it. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Alfie was there Alfie. too. Yeah, I remember because uh, I I remember people telling me that it was between him and Tiger who was going to get called up, and Tiger was the younger of the two, so they that's why he ended up getting called up instead of Alfie. And uh, I, of course, people in PEI were disappointed, but I mean, if you're a Maple Leaf fan, uh, I think they got the right guy with Tiger. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it. <laughs> Well, Jack, what yeah, about some and, and of the other guys? Oh, I was going to ask you about some of the some of the off-ice incidents. Like you're talking about some of the funny things with Tiger. What about some of the other characters in that team, like Ian Turnbull, who was there with you guys, and also even oh. Eddie Shack for a bit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There was there were slots. Uh, Ian Turnbull and Trevor Johansson. The, when Trevor came, they were like, they were two bulls and bull was the nickname. And, and Trevor was the same from Thunder Bay played with him in Colorado as well. But they trashed, they trashed this room one time and they just, this wrestling, wrestling. I did, I did never get that part. You know, <laughs> let's have some fun and wrestle. We'd all, you know, have a few beers and yeah. And, and just like that. But, um, and Eddie Shack, of course, everybody knows Eddie Shack and, and the character he was. So he was just finishing his career when I, when I had started. So uh, we kind of befriended each other, and um, Eddie, the dune buggy, I remember so going to his golf course. Again, this is off the ice kind of stuff, but so this was uh, the 70s, and he had the golf course uh, in Vaughn there, and um, there wasn't a liquor license, but you could buy it inside, but there was no nobody taking it out. So any. Eddie knew the guys were always taking beer in their, their bags like this, right? So he'd be walking around the clubhouse. And he'd be walking out towards the parking lot. He'd say, hey, guys, how's everybody today? Yeah, good, good. So he had a two iron with him. And he'd just go up to the side of the bag and he'd hit it like, you know, like, hey, you got any beer in there? Bang, bang, like this here, right? Whoa, oh, geez. And all of a sudden you'd see six or seven guys skirting back to their cars like this. Oh, geez, you know. You want your beer? He says, get it inside. <laughs> oh, boy. No, that's he had that yeah. is a classic. <laughs> the yeah, um, and, uh, oh boy! Uh, so you get called up finally. Your first or your first game at the Leafs. Walk us through that day for you. Again, two years removed almost from playing junior B hockey. Junior B, yeah. yeah. So the very first, I get called up and uh, go into Long Island to play, and and there's Normie Allman, <laughs> Davey Keon, sit. I'm kind of, I'm thinking Sid was there, but I'm not sure. He might have been injured. Maybe that's why they called me up. But in Long Island, and they had a very good team. Uh, played limited, really limited amount of ice time. <laughs> it didn't do very much. Uh, and then the next game we go, we're going home to Toronto to play Philadelphia. Now, I'm getting jacked up for this one because this is everybody knows Rod Street Bullies like that. Yeah. I go walk in the dress room. And Joe, Joe Scroo, the trainer, I'm looking for my sweater. He says, sorry, Jack. He says, you're not playing. I went, oh, jeez. So, and then uh, a few days later, the few days later, I, I got sent back. Uh, but then, uh, and then finally the following year, uh, I made it up to the Leafs and, and stayed uh, just before Christmas, yeah. Well, I was... The, uh, what was camp like, uh, your first full camp in Toronto, uh, Jack, with all the... The crazy guys that were that were around at that time in Toronto and so on and and that sort of thing. It must have been a little bit surreal, I guess, at, at a tender age of 18, 19 years old. Very much so. Um, it was uh, they had a, a military chap who would run the off ice stuff, and we'd go up and down the stairs, and they, they had the military. I'm trying to think of his name. I don't know if you you remember Rick or not. Um, yeah, uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, but he he would run us through these here military town. We go through these here reps and up and down and do all this and 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 Ian Turnbull was an obstinate and he was strong and he could play like how we put, when we played the Islanders. Uh, he was the best player on the ice that that one year. He, like he was he was a hell of a hockey player. But when he didn't want to do anything, he just. He just wouldn't do it. He'd sit there and watch the guys go around. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this guy and uh, I said, 
you know, it's, it's not a very good, you know, it, and just the opposite was Daryl Sittler. I mean, he'd do this here stuff up and down, and we ended up uh, living beside each other for a couple of years in Mississauga, and we trained all the time together for those camps. But the first one going in was a little eye popper and things like that. And uh, uh, Davey Keanu and Army Allman, oh, that's another one, just was thinking – my very first exhibition game, or one of my first exhibition games, was in London Gardens, and uh, so so we're playing against Washington at the Old Gardens in London. So I'm looking over and I'm seeing, and Davy Keon's got a towel around his neck. I said that's pretty good, so I put a towel around my neck. Anyways, we're going along, and, and uh, there's a there happens there's a fight going on, and Donald Spears, one of their players, well, doesn't he come out and he comes right at our bench and throws a stick right at us. From Washington. Mike Marsden, I think it was. Anyways, and we all duck like this here. Well, now the now, – now the uh, – yeah, got it. Now the um, – everything's falling. Now we're going to go – we're jumping on the ice because there's a brawl. And don't I jump on the ice and I stepped on the towel and right on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the last time – that was the last time I put a towel on my neck. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, that, let's, talk camps, second, right? let's talk about your second year. The second year you split between Oklahoma and Toronto, but you played 10 playoff games, very memorable playoff games with the Leafs. I like it. Let, like, there's so much. That year was full of excitement, drama, history. Uh, let's start with the Sittler 10-point night. February, for those who aren't aware, I mean, if you don't know this, you're not really much of a Leaf fan. February 7th, 1976, you actually had an assist on one of the goals. What were the players saying on the benches this night was all unfolding? And we were playing the Boston Bruins that at that night. That's right. And they, they were a very good team. As we know, I always say they had the second best team in the league. They just couldn't beat Montreal there in the late 70s. But they – so it, it, it happened fast and furious. And, and all of a sudden, Daryl scoring like off the charts. And I think it was Stan Bodiak. He came in after the second period and said, Daryl, you know you have a chance to break the record here. And so we're all chatting about it, but we're not, you know, you don't want to, it's the old thing. You don't want to jinx anybody or this and that. He just kept pouring them in. I mean, you, you see the replays, he was shooting from everywhere. I think the last goal he banked off from behind the net and, and uh, or the second last goal. I mean, it was just a magical night that, that 10 point and the um, Reese, the goaltender, the reason that they didn't pull him, was I think was Cheevers had just come back either from an injury or, or from, I don't know if it's the WHA or such, yep. but there's no way they were going to pull Reese. So he stayed in the whole time. And then some of the Bruins that I would meet in uh, alumni events after that, talk about that, that historic night. They said, if it was anybody else, they had a lot of respect for Daryl and everybody in the league did. Uh, if it was anybody else, they might've uh, took uh, exceptions to it, but, it was just one of those nights where it, it's just going like crazy. It's like Boston hitting two grand slams the other night. You know, it's just bang, bang in your back. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> but uh, it, that that was really an exceptional, exceptional night. And he had a lucky tie he was wearing too. Yeah, so, you know, there's so much other that happened, but we'd obviously be remiss if we didn't talk about the playoffs against Philly. Still – that era, still a dark period, some say, for hockey because of the thuggery that was going on. And But speak to that series and playing against them at that roster full of assassins. And you actually played a big role there. You were, uh, I think, on the line to check Clark's line. Yeah, yeah, we were. So, and what a line they had. Um, and Bobby Clark was their leader. Um, so Tagger and Pat Boutet and I uh, were assigned to play against them. And we just check, check, check as much as we could, stay on them. Um, and that, that was a great series. We So they had Kate Smith, who when we go into – and we went uh, – it was uh, – was it – yeah. We played seven games against them. It was yeah. a seven-game series. And uh, anyways, back and forth. If you didn't get excited, I'll tell you, the old gardens was rocking. And it, it was an incredible – when you come on the ice for the warm-up, what hair I had back then just stood. I mean, you were, you were really, you, you were charged up. And then, and in Philadelphia, I mean, well, that was Roy McMurtry as well. It was the attorney yeah. general and he was 
trying, trying to get guys, you know, up for assault charges and, you know, what goes on the ice stays on the ice type of thing. But I mean, that, all that, that happened back then was just, it was just, there was all of a sudden you play hockey, but they had a better team than just the fighting. I mean, they had a really good team with Rick yeah. McLeish, you know, Barber, um, all the guys, uh, that, that we know. And, and, um, Clarkie, the you know the defense, the Watson brothers, Bernie Pront, Nat. Uh, you know what a series. But anyways, Kate Smith was their lucky charm, and so we played we played them, and they always had Kate Smiths, you know, saying and God bless America, and and uh, we lost, we lost in seven games. But a part of that, and and you might be alluding to this, Rick was um or Mike, sorry, was um pyramid power. <laughs> yeah, we were going to get to that. Oh yeah. <laughs> So, do you want me to move ahead with yeah, that? Keep going with it. Well, where I was going to go, I was going to come to that eventually. But what I wanted to go is I wanted to talk about, and you've touched on it already, the assault on Salming in Game Three at the Gardens in that series by Mel Bridgman. Uh, you know, the following game, yeah. Salming score he gets, and that caused all the mass. I mean, the, the game sheet, the fighting is about this long. The the the, the reporting of fights. <laughs> The brawl in the penalty box, the Roy McMurtry stuff coming out, the charges laid against them, all that stuff. But the following night, or the next game, Salming scores that goal on the setup from Sittler. It was probably the most one of the most emotional goals in Leafs history. And he spoke to us about it on the podcast, and he talked about how him and Sittler practiced that play all the time, and he waited to use it, and he did. But that night, I, I, I think it was a game-changer for him as a player, especially – the way fans looked at him in Toronto and the way the league looked at him, why he stood up to those guys. Well, I mean, there's all kinds of ways of, of looking at uh, courage and that. And Boris only had more courage. You know, they always were the chicken Swedes. Well, that just wasn't the case. I mean, he took more abuse and he was a, he's a hall of famer and all-star for a reason, but it never deterred him. He was blocking shots. He was doing it all, all the time. And, as we know, a scoring prowess that he had. So he was, he was an incredible. And then of course that, that really motivated all of us um, to have those leaders like, like that. And, and Bory was certainly one of them. And um, yeah, the, you know, Philadelphia, when we, I got traded to Colorado, I'm, I'm going to move to another story and I'll come back to this, but I got traded to Colorado. And uh, this is real quick. Just got traded to Colorado. And now I meet some of the guys and everything's going good. And, Played a few games. Now we're going into Philadelphia, and I'm going, oh, boy, this is going to be a long <laughs> night. So we go around. Nothing's going on. I'm telling you, we play the game. It's like an old-timers game, Squid. There wasn't a hit anywhere. <laughs> Nothing. So, so I'm, after the words, I'm, I'm out with the guys. I said, guys, what, what was that? I said, they didn't do anything. The, you know, the pack of wolves didn't do So anyways, the year before they met in the playoffs – Colorado almost beat uh, Philadelphia out. They beat them again. I think it was a two and a three, and that's why they changed that. But anyways, I guess Barry Beck and Squid, you remember him. Yeah. He mopped mm -hmm. up He mopped up the ice with, with all of them. So it was really, really something. And then, so he, he signed a terrible contract, and he, he, we're going back to Philly at the end of the year, and I get to know Bubba a little bit better. And he says, Jack, he says, I'm not playing tonight. We're playing in the Philly. I said, what? He says, no, they don't want to negotiate. I said, a terrible, I got a terrible deal. He says, I'll show them what I'm worth. I said, Bob, you got to play. Well, what, he didn't play. <laughs> and in the warm-up, in the warm-up, you could see him circling. Hoida and, and Holmgren and these guys, where's Bubba? Where's Bubba? No Bubba. Now they're firing pucks at our net and this and that. And I'm going, oh, geez. It was just, and they sure as hell, they were back to their pack of wolves style again. Yeah. It's funny you bring up Barry Beck because I remember playing uh, my first year uh, in Sherbrooke and we were in the Memorial Cup out in Vancouver, Barry Beck. That was when New West had that big, big, tough team. And they're skating yeah. in our zone in the warm-up. And our guys are almost are all pretty much inside our own blue line. And then we had this one crazy son of a bitch from Boston. Uh, Mike Breen was his name. And he went up to Beck. He said, if you guys don't get out of here, he says, I'm going to bite your damn ear off. And then they did. They, they backed off, went back to their own zone. Puck dropped when the game started. 
everybody on the ice fought. It was like a, it was just ridiculous. And Barry Beck grabbed this Demir, Demir's guy from uh, New Hampshire and broke his face into about five pieces. It was, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, trust me, I wasn't getting involved in that. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to ask you is how you stayed focused. I mean, here you're playing in Toronto, you know, Toronto's the quiet city in that. And this, Hatred of the Flyers is probably at a level that probably has been matched to today during that series. You got, I mean, all the Roy yeah. McMurtry stuff we've mentioned, that the whole atmosphere, the you know, everything going on around. How do you guys stay focused on the game? So there was, and I think this, but there was another thing. So Red Kelly was uh, not only a fine hockey player, as we know, but a fine man and a good coach. So he knew we needed some kind of a distraction. So some of you may remember Pyramid Power. Yeah. So he brought in a specialist. <laughs> yeah. He brought in a specialist and spoke to us about the powers of, of pyramid, the shape. And if you have it the right direction, uh, it can cure headaches, people that have migraines all the time and, and do different things. Right. So. So anyways, it got our mind off it. So we had one in the old in the old dressing room, excuse me, at the garden. And uh, it was right in the center of the of the room. So guys were, you know, we'd sit under this and that. And that. Well, doesn't Daryl Sittler, so this is game six. Yeah. Daryl Sittler sits under under it. And he's got five or six sticks, and he takes them up like this here. And everybody's doing the same, standing there, and what, what's going to happen? Well, that night, Daryl Sittler scores five goals in a playoff game. That's right. Ty Rocker Richard for five goals in a playoff game. And we won. So now we're going back game seven right in Philly. And we've got a real good chance, right? We're, that's what we're thinking so, anyways, well, we we, we packed the pyramid. The pyramids come with us, that's for sure. So, <laughs> there we go. We're off. We're off. They got Kate Smith, and we got pyramid power. Anyways, we set it back up in the in the visiting dress room, and we're all sitting under it now and doing everything we can. And, uh, anyways, I'm not sure if it just picks one person or what, but uh, it, it uh, we were ahead. We were ahead two to one or three to or something. I think we lost seven to two or three that, uh, in game seven. And uh, Claire Alexander broke his leg. I scored the first goal on, on Bernie, uh, but Claire Alexander broke his leg, and uh, he was a, a good puck-moving defenseman. And uh, anyways, we couldn't keep it going, and they, they got us in seven. <laughs> and that's pyramid power. Yep. Well, that's, I mean, yeah. that's, well, that's what I was going to get to with Red, one of the things he did to, to distract you guys and that you just, you just explained that. I mean, the following season, you stick with the team for good, obviously, after that playoff but we ask every player that comes on the show and they usually squid asks this one but was there a goal an assist an incident a comment from someone or a certain game or maybe a playoff series that you felt was the defining moment where you could finally say i've made it yeah that uh red kelly was a big supporter like lanny mcdonald's we'll see lanny uh and uh so he was a big supporter. So that, that playoff series was, was huge. <clears throat> Unfortunately, right after that, that series, uh, Red Kelly got fired that summer <clears throat> and Roger Nielsen came in. But playing against uh, Bobby Clark and being able to do the job certainly helped um, in that. Uh, but I think I got my confidence. Uh, I think I had 15 goals. No. 10, 10 and 23, 33 points or something in that half a year. And holy uh, cow, look that at that head of hair. Stepping stone to, and then knowing <laughs> I'm coming back and, and being part of the team uh, was, was very important. Yeah. Look at that head of hair. <laughs> See? It happens. <laughs> uh, one of the things I love that you talked about was Boria because. I got to play with Boria for seven years, and I got to agree so, that, you know, toughness comes in different ways, and, and obviously Boria had it. But the funniest thing for me with Boria was when I got traded to Toronto, I, I go into the dressing room, and they have my equipment hanging, and I've got Ronnie Ellis on this side, and I've got Boria on that side. So it was like a cartoon where you got the devil on one side and the angel on the other side, and you're on which way do I go? Uh, unfortunately, I went a little bit more towards Boria's side <laughs> than, than Ronnie's, but I tell you what, 
I mean, he was a fantastic player, but he played his tail off too. I mean, as you said, uh, toughness comes in a lot of different ways, and Boria was certainly one of the toughest guys that I ever played with. Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point, I think we had this this um, as well. So my when I first got to the Leafs, I had Inga Hammerstrom on one side and Jim McKenney on the other. <laughs> <laughs> Same idea. And, and Inga Hammerstrom was a fine <laughs> hockey player, too. It was just a bad era for him. He didn't want any part of this and, and that. So um, – and Jim McKenney, we know Jim McKenney's story and uh, what a great guy he is. But uh, like you say, I often leaned uh, to the left instead of the right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, after a couple of years, you just can't seem to make that to the next level. And the words every player hates to hear you get in 1978 that you've been moved. Take us through that yeah. day and how it all happened. And you end up in Colorado. Yeah. So... And it's kind of odd. So we were just starting the season, and uh, I didn't dress against Colorado one game. And uh, it, the first, I think it was the first five or six games. So I kind of thought, okay, well, there's something going on here. And I wasn't traded that day, but the following week, uh, I get traded to Colorado. And uh, Jim Gregory called me in and uh, said, Jack, yeah, we're moving you, da-da-da. And, uh, okay, so it's it's a shock. Uh, the biggest thing is uh, all the, the teammate, the friendships you have on, on, on your team and, and saying, and I mean, it happens all the time, but when it happens to you first, the first time it happens to you and, and you're being traded, uh, it's, it's a shock. You're going to, a, I'm going to a whole country. Uh, I knew, I didn't know anybody in Colorado. It turns out that, that, uh, it's a, a fabulous place. It's the timing there was not very, very good. Um, the football team was fabulous, but hockey wasn't ready. They had a Western team there and in the central league, like I said, and university hockey has always been strong there, but the following for, uh, the Rockies, uh, was not very strong. So, but yeah, it was, it was a little bit and saying goodbye to, you know, Lanny and, and Daryl and Tiger and, and Patty and all the guys, uh, it, it was a little tough and, and uh, everybody wishes each other well and that. But, yeah, that, that, was, that was a bit traumatic. But, well, one, uh, of the things about, one, of the, one of the things about you was apparently you had, you had size. I don't think there's been a Toronto center since Austin Matthews was a six foot two. Uh, you know, it's sort of maybe one of the, uh, you know, Nicky Antropov. But, uh, you know, you played center. You could score. But skating wasn't your thing. You were a little bit slow on the feet. But – once in Colorado, you made a change to your skates, I read. It, can, it seemed to help you and gave you a little bit more spot. What did you do? So <laughs> that was Don Cherry. So that was my <laughs> second year in Colorado. <laughs> that was my second year in Colorado. And so that, that summer before we started camp, uh, we find out that they've hired Don Cherry. So we're thinking, wow, that's really excellent for us because he's a, a, a known coach and – and that's so we um, we started training camp, and everybody's excited to have Don Cherry there and new face, and his camp's a little bit different. Uh, anyways, where camp breaks, and uh, just before uh, the end of the first practice, after he, the team selected, he says, "Oh, by the way, guys, this is great talking." Don Cherry he says, "He says one thing. He says he says I never check for curfew." And so Kevin Morrison and I, he's, he's East Coaster. I don't know if you know Kevin or not. <laughs> so Kevin yeah. Morrison and I are in where we usually are. And we both look, isn't this great? So <laughs> it starts like that. But you know what happened? I'm telling you. And, and so how he finished it off, was, he says, but he says, you never know when I might be out having a beer as well. And he says, I like to have a beer. So, and I do it quite often. But he says, if I catch you out after curfew, he says, I'll cut your heart out and bury in the minors. And we're going, oh, geez, you know, find me anything. Don't, you know, I don't want to go to the minors. There wasn't one guy, broke curfew. not one guy broke curfew until Bobby Smots gets traded to us. So it's in the, either late January, early February, and Bobby Smots, and we're in Atlanta. 
and we're all sitting. We just had a bite to eat. And we're sitting around. We're getting so it's ten thirty, quarter eleven. Okay, let's go. So, <laughs> so Smachi says, "Where's everybody going?" And so we said, "Well, it's curfew." He said, <laughs> "He said Graveskin didn't give you that shit about cutting your heart out and burying the miners, did he?" We said, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> so he says, "What's he gonna do? Bury us all in the miners?" Oh, he can't do that. He can't do that. So <laughs> you know, now another half hour or whatever, right? Eh? So next morning, next morning, Grace, Smarty, you know, yes, I have a bitch. He said, didn't I? He said, I had them all like that. But he said that I've ever had every camp. <laughs> but nobody broke curfew. <laughs> oh, boy. So. Oh, boy. That's good. That's a good okay. one. Okay. I'm getting back to the stage. Sorry, I keep moving. I know. No, that's my, okay, Jack. Keep going. It's good. <laughs> so, so grapes. So I start off. It's not going too well. And grapes. He, he says, I expect more of you, Jack. He says, and he says, your skates. He says, I was wearing these Lang skates and I, <laughs> I wore them in, at, at hockey schools. And so they're really comfortable, but apparently they don't perform too well. So anyways, he <laughs> said, get back to your Bowers. And I said, no, I like these. Get back to your Bowers. So finally I had enough and sure enough, I, <laughs> I get back to the Bowers and, uh, I get back on track, but before I got the last time I wore my langs, I fell right in front of our bench. And and Grape says, "Get off the ice." He says, "You look like a Clydesdale." And I, <laughs> well, that was it. So I did, and and he said it right in front, like they didn't hold any, you know. Anyways, that was it. And I put the old skates on, and uh, I took off from there, and I was player of the month for the Rockies, and getting back on the scoring sheet. So that, yeah. You don't want to be compared to a Clydesdale. It's bad enough you're not a very good skater. <laughs> well, well, I mean, while you're talking about Cherry, first off, your relationship with him personally, but and I also want to know, and I know Squid has a view on him, but what yeah, do you do? don't get me going on that. Yet. I know <laughs> that's why I'm going to leave this one open here. Was he actually your relationship with him, Jack? And also, was he a good coach or a better salesman slash motivator who could work the media, the fans, and even the players into thinking everything was great? You know the old line, bullshit baffles brains. I always say uh, he's exactly what you see on TV. He's all hurt, all Canadian, and a little bit of BS. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more in showmanship. So I think I think Mike, you hit it right on the, on the head there. Um, his idea of a good breakout was the defenseman fires around the boards and the winger knocks the defenseman down. You're out. <laughs> so, but... He, he, Motivational-wise, we the first time we went into Boston, he uh, he, he says he says if he says I want to win this so bad, uh, Harry Sinden. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we ended up playing and there was it was a great game. We ended up winning, and uh, the last minute and a half of that, Grapes calls a timeout because there's a face-off and and that and we're. Anyways, you could see Harry coming down. He was so – I think we were ahead by a goal, and we scored an empty net, 4-3, 5-3, something like that. And Harry's coming storming down like this, and Grapes is standing on the bench in a suit like this, and, and the whole, all the cameras are, you know, he's doing this here when, you know, taking it all in. But uh, he – so he, he could motivate uh, guys, and, and guys wanted to play for him. Not And like every coach, uh, there was a lot of guys that did not like him. You don't get the ice time. Um, uh, it doesn't matter who, I mean, I don't know. I never heard anybody say a bad word about red Kelly, but most coaches, uh, can't don't have everybody, uh, on the same wave, but uh, I'd say that's a pretty good, I mean, the showmanship, I mean, the, <laughs> I always say I'm part of the reason <laughs> he is at coach's corner. We were so bad. He never coached again. He only had one year. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he signed, he signed well, a three-year deal as one year. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I signed a three-year deal with him with the Ice Dogs, and I only only got one year, too. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I remember uh, – I mean, he was a very difficult guy to work for. There's no question about that. But they had traded in the summer before I got hired, uh, before I took the job, that – they, they, they got a defenseman up from Kitchener, I think it was, a very, very slow foot. But he always loved to throw the puck off the glass. And you know how Grapes loved 
the defenseman who threw the puck off the glass and got it out of the zone. So anyway, he comes to me before Christmas. He says, I want you to play this guy. And I said, well, are you asking me or are you telling me? And he thought for a minute and he's sitting there and he goes, well, actually, I'm telling you. I said, okay. So I played the hell out of this guy. I think it was a minus 24 in three or four games. Never played him the rest of the year, and I didn't hear another word about him from Don. So so that was the only way that you were going to prove to him that, you know, you were right in not playing the, the individual. And, and But he, he wasn't going to listen to you any other way. It, yeah, you know, he was. So <laughs> there's grapes. There's a lot happening in one year. So we're, we're not – we're a bottom place team. So we're playing Hartford. Hartford's coming into Colorado. So Hartford's like us, not a very good team. So that morning, uh, Grapes brings uh, Blue in to the dressing room. So everybody wants to pet Blue. Oh, nice doggy, nice doggy. Not that good looking, right? But a nice doggy yeah, like this here. And everybody wants to make friends. You know, that's that's Blue. That's uh, Don's baby, right? So, okay, okay, like that. So anyways, we go up for a skate, and uh, <laughs> Don puts Blue in his office. Well, a Hartford reporter comes into our dress room, unbeknownst to us, we were on the ice, and he asks our trainer, Toby, he says, hey, Toby, is Grapes around? <laughs> so Toby says, check his office. <laughs> so we go like this. Out comes Blue, just tears his leg into him and grabs his leg, and he jumps up on a chair like this and rips his pants, and well, Toby's not going to do anything, right? So he yells off the ice, come on, get your dog here. And so anyway, he apologizes like crazy and takes Blue and puts him back in the office like this. That night, right in Colorado, we get hammered seven to two or seven to three in our own building. Next day, <laughs> next day, the headlines in the paper was "Wish Players Had Heart of Blue." <laughs> told the story. <laughs> 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 told the story. Um, well, maybe you, I don't know if you're. There was a story told to us that was confirmed by Lanny McDonald that when you guys were in Colorado one night, you guys did stay in, and you guys were in somebody's room. With a bunch of beer, and there was a drinking contest going on. And as apparently Grapes was walking down the hall to his room and stuck his head in the door, and McDonald was in the finals against somebody and beat him in a chugging contest. And he walked away muttering his head, I know we got to be bad when your best player is your best drinker. <laughs> that, that's true. The tro that's true. But that Lanny could open up that gullet and down it would go. And, and Kevin Morrison. <laughs> But I think it was Kevin Morrison who he was drinking against. So Kevin says, well, if you want to turn this into a 24-hour session, we'll see who's standing last. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what's funny is that Kevin Morrison, I believe he's from Cape Breton, and if I'm not mistaken, I think his nickname was Squid as well. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a, he was a defenseman, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good guy. I, yeah. I, I never it, met a bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I never how, met a bad. Name, it, how would he get the name Squid? His, he had it well before I did, and I think that's how Brof, who yelled at me and yelled Squid, he was thinking of Morrison, and and that's why he said Squid. So because he had played in the WHA as well, I believe. Okay. Uh, yeah. And Bro, so so Brof knew him and. Uh, both from Nova Scotia, and he, he yelled at Squid at me, but I think he was thinking of Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Funny how things yeah. happen. <laughs> what happened the third year in Colorado? You had some good players, Lanny, Ramage, Joel Crenville, McKechnie, all those guys. The coaching change is what affected you? Yeah, very much so. Um, uh, McMillan comes in from the Islanders, and uh, like – for grapes, I had lots of ice time, but new coach comes in and makes the changes and doesn't like this guy. So uh, it's it was very disappointing. And um, so I get sent down. I get waved through the league. And um, I, like I said, I said, you know, it's, I think it was 1500 bucks. I said, I put on the waiver note. I said, I'll pay the 1500 bucks. Somebody picked me up, right? <laughs> but uh, that's not what happened. So I go down and, and – uh, Play down there. It's very disappointing. I, I I know in my heart, and I know still know that I could play in the NHL then, and and uh, so it didn't work out. They called me up the last two months, maybe, and um, uh, I played just uh, now and then. Didn't play a lot either because the coach 
still, I mean, you might be there, but you're not getting the ice time. So that year ended. And then uh, same coach when I come back the following year in training camp. And uh, so they sent me, sent me back down again. I'm down there, got an apartment and uh, disappointed again, but okay, I got to make the best of this. And, and uh, then they tell me that when they said, <clears throat> we're sending you to Moncton, New Brunswick. I said, I've been traded. They said, no, they're just sort, they're short of players and we're sending you there. I said, well, why? He said, well, they're short players. And so I said, I'll, I'll let you know. And he says, well, you have to go. I said, I'll let you know. So I was very disappointed. And I, I talked to my wife. We had just had a baby. And, and actually, that's, that's when it all, that ended right there. I, uh, nobody picked me up on waivers. And I wasn't going to Moncton, moving my family and that. And uh, they didn't want it. They just needed players. And that's how it ended, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of a, a, a shitty way for it to end, uh, for sure. I mean, did you – you weren't thinking at all, like, the next year or, you know, whatever about, about giving it another shot or anything, or was that just the final straw? So, uh, when I came – I went back home and Bill Waters called and said, uh, they want you – there's a team that wants you to go and try and play in um, um, overseas, Switzerland, Bern, Switzerland. I said, no, I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. I, I was very disappointed. If I, I know I can play in NHL. I can, if I can't play in NHL, uh, I don't, want, don't care to play. So, no, he said, Jack, you should really go. They'll go and just try it. They really want you to come. So, I said, okay, okay, I'll go try it. So, I go, and it's Bern, Switzerland, and uh, I skated there for a week and played a couple games, and I think I had an assist in two games or whatever. And it, Again, my heart wasn't in it, and uh, – they just said, okay, you're not interested? And I said, well, I said, really, I, I, I'm really not. My heart's not in it. So they said, thanks for coming, and that was it. That, so I tried that. No, to your point, Rick, I, um, I got my real estate license after that the following year, and uh, I went into business myself. So that's, that's what happened there. But it was, it's, it's very disappointing way to end, yeah. Oh, no question. Yeah. No question. Yeah, you had some years yeah. left in you for sure. You scored 25 goals like the year before. Like, yeah. 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 Well, going back to your time in Toronto, you played under Roger Nielsen and Red Kelly. You've talked, touched on them both already, and I can tell you you admired them both. But give us some of the qualities that made them so special. And again, as you mentioned, rarely do players ever say anything negative about either or either of them. Yeah. So Red Kelly, I always say, imagine um, – in his playing career, he wins the Norris Trophy. He's he wins four Stanley Cups in Detroit as a defenseman. He gets traded. Well, it was to New York the, the story, but anyways, he, he won't go to New York. He uh, punch him. I calls him. He comes to Toronto. He wins four more cups. He makes him the centerman. He makes him and he wins four more cups with Toronto. Eight, eight Stanley Cups. Yeah. Like it's an incredible career. And and the a gentleman that that he was, as as you both know. Um, he never swore, which is not a bad thing at all. It's, but in, in the hockey culture or sports culture, that's very odd. And when he would come in, he'd be angry. And he would be, gosh, darn it. You know, gee, Willikers, you know, it's just. <laughs> and but that was, that was red. Right. But I mean, everybody had, uh, you know, so much respect for him and, and he helped, he helped a lot of players um, as well. And, uh, and Lanny McDonald attested that I'm sure uh, in his days. And uh, he's just a fine man. And then Roger Nielsen. So uh, Roger Nielsen. Um, I, now, that's why I said, if you wanted to put, if Don Cherry hired Roger Nielsen as assistant coach, he'd have all the plays and all the, here's what we're going to do here, here, here. He had everybody knew exactly what, what to do at what time and what we're going to do. Um, but Roger Nielsen, he, he wasn't too keen on, um, you know, family matters and this and that. It was just all hockey, hockey. And that's why he was so good at it. He was so, you know, just state like this and watch the films and just concentrate so much on hockey. But, you know, there's other things, as we know, off the ice and when you have a family and such. But two, two fine men, two, two good, good coaches, uh, as, as we know. Um, that, okay, you, when you go from the emotional high and down of playing against the Flyers and all that craziness that went on at that time to a couple of years playing against the Islanders under Roger – and in 78, 
What did he do to make you guys win, especially after losing arguably your best player in Boris Salmi? That was an unbelievable series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it sure was. Um, so when Boria got hurt, and we, so he was the, the stalwart of the defense, it just seemed um, Ian just picked up his game. He said we, we – and he played fantastic. He played the best hockey of his career. Um, Roger just said, like, I think it was when uh, Freddie Shearer was coaching Philadelphia on Bobby Orr, he said, finish your check on Bobby Orr. Just don't let him give and go. And so when we were playing the Islanders, that's everybody just finish your check, finish your check. Don't let these guys get, get back in the play. And, of course, we know how good they turned out to be. They won four in a row. Um, but that series, I mean, everybody stepped up and everybody did their job and they, they were on a learning curve. Uh, Brian Tracci broke his, his, um, jaw on his own, uh, player. I think he ran into Bill, Bill Harris, uh, at center ice there. So he had, he had some problems there. Mike Palmatier played incredibly, incredibly well. Here's another quick story. Mike Palmatier, <laughs> he's playing, uh, again for a contract. And he's talking to Ballard to try and get a new contract. Uh, anyways, he won't sign. No, no, we won't deal with this right now. So we're in Long Island. We're laying on a in Long Island. We win game seven. Palmy plays unbelievable. Lanny scores in overtime. Yeah. Incredible. We're all so excited, right? We're going we're going to play in the semifinals. So I'm right behind Palmy. And we're going in and we're getting the Boston King standing. King's right there. King Clancy and Harold Ballard. Way to go, guys. Congratulating everybody. Mike King says, Mike, you did a great job. Great job, you know. And he goes to Mike goes to Harold Ballard. Mike, you played unbelievable. Way to go. Good job. He looks right about and he says, Not bad for 40 grand a year, eh? Are you kidding me, right? He says, and that that was Palmy, right? And then uh, he still, I don't think he still ever got the money that he deserved out of out of uh, Toronto. It wasn't until he went to Washington. Washington. Yeah, that he got the got the contract. And and Rick. I mean, your your career, there are 50 goal seasons, and I don't think you ever got paid the way you should have, and 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 that's partly because of Ballard as well, right? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with Ballard. I mean, he didn't pay anybody. I think the only guy that ever got paid was Boria. He loved Boria, and he paid him well, and I think Daryl was compensated pretty decent too. Um, but aside from that, really nobody got paid what they were probably worth in the, in the National Hockey League on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, you know, there were other teams that paid a little bit more. I mean, but most of them, for the most part, I mean, I go to Chicago and Bob Pulford is a GM. I score 43 goals and he offers me a $40,000 pay cut. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you know, <laughs> but I mean, that was Harold. That was, and that was Bob Pulford. That, they were, they were basically the same type of guys. When it came to, yeah. like, it was almost like they were dealing with their own money, and they threw them around like manhole covers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it was the same when the WHA came in. Ballard wouldn't pay keep any of the guys uh, from the WHA. Yeah. If you want to go to the WHA, go, go. So yeah, yeah. Well, it, was, it, it was it was sad, really, because you know over the years all the great players that. Played for Toronto. Yeah, there we go. There's a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there he is. Oh, my God. That is priceless. <laughs> well, now Jack, here's the question yeah. we seem to ask every ex-Leaf that comes on. Growing up as a kid, Maple Leaf Gardens to every young boy, everybody growing up it was a shrine. You, though, are one of the like, few fortunate that get to wear that sweater of the cherished team. Yet arriving to rink some days, this gong show atmosphere that's going on or a shitstorm is developed overnight, created by some quote coming from the crazy owner. Did you just shake your head at times? And speaking to your buddies, I mean, the stuff with Roger Nielsen and the bag over the head. I mean, you weren't there then, but you're hearing all these crazy things going on. Would you just say to your buddies sometimes, look, boys, we're no different than you going to work, but our stuff just ends up in the first front page of the paper. But you wouldn't believe what goes on here. Yeah, it's, it, it was very unique. And, I mean, King and Harold traveled everywhere with us. They were on the planes, on, yeah. on the commercial flights and charters. They traveled everywhere with us. So they were very much involved. Um, yeah, the 
this that other didn't start until I was gone. Um, yeah. When Roger and that and, and Daryl tore the sea off. And I mean, that, that was so I, I can't really I mean, Ballard was like he said, there was no bad ink. Right. Anything. If there was a controversy going, um, you know, it was we we got into some trouble. He, he did back us sometimes. We got into trouble. We went on an ice fishing trip to bond. We call oh, yeah. it bond. <laughs> and, uh, anyways, uh, we, we tore some things apart and made a mess and that. And so the owner <laughs> sends a letter, sends a letter to Ballard and says, your lease are nothing but of bums and this and that. And so-and-so is peeing over here and somebody's doing this and they're wrecking that. And, and so anyways, he, he writes a letter. And so Daryl gets called up to the office and, uh, he says, uh, look at this. So Daryl's reading the letter and he says, Oh, this is gonna be bad, right? And so Harold says, What do you what do you think we should do? And Daryl says, Well, I guess we'll pay for some things that he says, No, nah. I says, I think we should crap in the envelope and send it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just it was one of those things, right? No, you guys, you tore it up. All right, good stuff. Well, well we that was uh you know, he I mean that was Harold. I mean he, you had to expect the unexpected with him. And I remember we were on charters and, and, uh, and charters were great because you get home that same night, you're in your own bed. So anyway, we get our little lasagna on the thing and then the flight attendant would come by with a wicker basket full of chocolate bars. Well, King is sitting a couple of rows in front of Ballard and says to the girl that he can't have any because he's a diabetic. Of course, when she gets to him, he puts his paw in there, grabs about four chocolate bars. She slapped him on the hand and said, you can't have any, sir, because you're a diabetic. He canceled the charters for the rest of the season, halfway through the year. <laughs> so we flew commercial the rest of the season. <laughs> like, over a chocolate bar, for Christ's sake. <laughs> and... And how great was it to play in the East Coast? What a difference when you get traded to the West Coast or that, the traveling. Like playing in, in the East Coast, I mean, you charter, you're in your, your bed that night oh. if you care, whether you're in Philadelphia, you know, New York, New York, it didn't matter. Um, it was all Montreal, Detroit, all that. Uh, and you get traded on the West mm -hmm. Coast, every, every trip is a three-day trip, uh, at least, right? So there's a huge difference. That's why Marcel Dion, when oh, he did that scoring at the end, to do so much traveling and, and to win the scoring back then was, was even a bigger feat. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, Vancouver, when I went there, I mean, I don't think we had a road trip that was less than 10 days. When we left, we were gone for 10 to 14 days, pretty much every single trip. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was tough. It, was, it wasn't easy. And uh, then you go to the East Coast and you get traded to Toronto and like you said, you're playing in Pittsburgh, and then you're you're home in your bed by two o'clock in the morning. I mean, yeah. boy, oh boy, that's great, you know. Yeah, huge difference, H huge difference. That's for sure. Um, so we're just got a couple minutes left, Jack, and we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Um, the funniest guy. We, we get to the humorous kind of part here now. It sounds like you've got a few stories. Uh, the funniest guy, which is usually the prankster, any you can share with us that you saw over your years? Oh, goodness. There's a lot of them there. But, um, yeah, Lanny McDonald was a, a pretty good prankster and, and that. But uh, uh, the, I better just he, – he, he snuck in the door there one time and uh, <laughs> the door was open on the side. And uh, I forget who I was with, but we opened up our door. And doesn't he just jump out of the – because the side, the two doors adjoining rooms were, were open. Yeah. And this, with the two of us just about had a heart attack. We were getting in our room. There's supposed to be nobody in there. Another time, Lanny, it seems Lanny. So we're golfing. We're in Colorado. And I'm just leaning over. I said, I got this ball. I said, I put it right in the water here. It's just, just a little. And he, he let go of my hand. And down I went right into the water like this, right in the middle of a golf game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one. boy. So, so Tiger. Tagger and Claire Alexander and Lanny McGall and myself, we played hearts a lot quite a bit uh, in, on the plane and bus and that. But we were playing golf here in Colorado for a, a little day off, and we went down. And uh, anyways, we are playing, and, and Tagger had a little shot out of this here, and he makes a great shot. 
he was recovery shot. And he put it about five feet from the pin. I said, Tagger, if you make this, we win the hole. He misses it. Tagger, if you make this, we tie the hole. It's about two footer. He misses it. He takes his putter and he buries it right by the pin, about a foot deep. Well, Lanny jumps up right there, and the two of them are rasping right on there, and there's more fur flying everywhere. It's so I mean those those guys. The it was Lanny was a lot of fun. Uh, and Tagger Tagger got four tickets. I was riding with him one time. We were going uh, up <laughs> to Scarborough, and he got four tickets and one stopping. Driving on the sidewalk, not stopping. It was just nuts. Uh. Well, I got to tell you, you know, it's funny you brought that up about the hotel room. Because I remember I went to the World Championships, and I, I can't remember if it was Prague or Helsinki. Bernie Nichols was on, on the team. So I didn't know Bernie very well, and Bernie didn't drink, although – Sometimes you would think he was drinking the way he acted. But anyway, what he would do, he would get your key from the desk somehow. I don't know how the hell he did it yet. And then after the pregame meal, the first thing you do is go back to your room and you usually go to the bathroom and whatever. Well, he would get there first and get in the shower and close the shower curtain. So you're just settling in the, on the throne and all of a sudden, he would open up and go and scream. And I, I swear to God, I almost had a heart attack when he did that to me. And I, because I had my, I was alone. There was an odd number, and I had my own room because <laughs> I snored, obviously. And oh my God, I, 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 I swear to God, like I thought I was going to die. That, that's how bad that was. But uh, those are some of the, the better ones I think that I've ever experienced. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those trips were, and that's that's the thing. That's a great thing about, uh, and it's all the same. All the different teams, they all had the characters on them, and then it was so much fun and uh, to play in the NHL and have that much fun and have the stories. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's good. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's like, it's like, it's yeah. I mean, like when I talk to people, friends of mine, that you know, they can't believe some of the shit that we saw. <laughs> You know, back in those, like, really, they're like, come on. Like, that didn't really happen. I go, oh, yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it did. Well, Jack, we, again, can't thank you enough for joining us today. The stories were great. Uh, again, uh, loved having you on. And uh, listen, all best to you going forward. And uh, hopefully you get out and coach these guys a little bit more in some of these legend games. Yeah, very good. Enjoy, enjoy chatting, guys. And uh, I'm hoping the... I don't know about doing much coaching. I'm open to head to sunny south because the borders are open. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>